As weird as this sounds, you know what one of my favorite desserts is at the end of a you know a good meal, a long day, and you just want to relax? A bowl of cereal. I love cereal. Don't get it as much as I used to, you know, especially as a kid. But uh, the biggest reason is there, there's really, you know, it's not healthy at all. You know, <laughs> the cereal that we like, it's that sugary, carb-loaded, just empty calories is really all it is. Uh, but it's just so good so sometimes. But that is where Magic Spoon has stepped in and said, you know what? Adults like cereal. Let's make some healthy cereal that actually tastes like cereal, something good, something indulgent. And so they have come up with a zero sugar, high protein, low carb, very tasty cereal. It's keto friendly, it's gluten free, it's grain free, soy free, GMO free, and it comes in four different flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. Uh, that covers pretty much all the bases of everything that uh, that I would indulge in. And so if you're looking for kind of that 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 craving satisfier of, of having a great bowl of cereal, something I actually just had, um, but without the guilt attached to it, Magic Spoon is your answer. If you'd like to try some, go to magicspoon.com slash ASP for Adventure Sports Podcast and grab yourself a variety pack today. And if you don't absolutely love it, they have a 100% money back guarantee. And again, you know, New Year's is coming up. We're all trying to be a new, a new self. Maybe it's a bowl of cereal to start your day that can help you do that. magicspoon.com slash ASP. And you can use the code ASP for free shipping. All right, now on to the adventure. Uh, this year, especially Nathan and I double hand uh, passages, which means just the two of us sail a boat nonstop for days at a time. And so it really all comes down to communication. If I see something wrong on deck and I'm not necessarily comfortable on going off deck by myself, you know, we never go on deck at night unless another person's in the cockpit. Hey folks, hope you had a good weekend. Uh, my name is Mason. I'm the host of this show. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast. And today's episode is is really cool. Um, we're learning from Nathan and Vivian about living aboard a sailboat. They're a couple that left the mountains of New Mexico to uh, learn how to sail around the world, and that's what they've been doing, and they fell in love with it. And if you don't know, I recently moved to the ocean, and there's sailboats everywhere. There's boats all over the place. In fact, this morning, we were walking up and down these piers, and I, I thought about this episode that was coming out um, today, and thought, man, I just I really want to get into this. It looks like one of those things that once you get into it, you're really into it. Um, so it was cool to talk to a young couple that is doing just that and teaching people how to do that. So if you'd like to learn more um, or if you're interested, I definitely encourage you to, to look at the show notes where there's some links. Um, but Nathan and Vivian have a website called sailoceanpassages.com. And I believe that's what it is on Instagram and Facebook too, Ocean Passages, um, and then VivianVuong.com uh, because Vivian's also a photographer and does a lot of sailboat uh, imagery and, and photos and prints and stuff. So uh, you can check out their stuff there. 
And yeah, um, gosh, not not a whole lot to get into outside of that. But uh, I did want to share a quick story before we get started. Uh, if you don't want to hear it, just skip a few minutes ahead. But just over the weekend, I was at a CVS of all places. And I don't know why this was so impactful, but I wanted to tell the story. Um, I was just getting some stuff. We were getting ready to go do something and I needed something. So I went into the CVS right by our house and this guy walks in with a, uh, with a cane, but, but he's a young guy, you know, he's not, he's not terribly old, but he's got a cane and he's kind of hobbling around and, uh, he's looking at a weighted blanket. There's a weighted, you know, blankets that are just heavy and and he was looking at it and he was actually having a hard time like picking it up and stuff. Uh, and this older lady just struck up a conversation with him. She's like, oh, you know, well, well, yeah, those are really neat. And they just started talking about it. And he was like, yeah, I just got, a, just got out of the hospital. I was uh, just got my last round of chemo done. And um, I, don't, I don't know how long ago this was, but fairly recently. And he, he, he looked pretty rough, but he, uh, he didn't look very old at all. So, um, yeah. So, anyway... They're talking, and the lady's just so sweet to him, and I'm just overhearing all this, and uh, he leaves, you know, he he realizes, I think, I guess he couldn't pick it up or something, he leaves, and the lady um, picks it up, goes to the front, buys the weighted blanket, and then puts it in her car and finds this guy, he was barely out of the parking lot, He, he, he didn't drive, he was just walking home. And she picks him up and, uh, yeah, I could just hear it all from like where I was and just kind of being nearby. She gives him the the blanket and takes him home. And, you know, it wasn't a big deal, you know, that isn't going to change the world, but, uh, I just thought it was a really cool act of kindness. Um, like I said, nothing major. She didn't start a foundation. She didn't do anything crazy, but she just saw this person that really liked something, really wanted something. Um, and the reason the guy liked the weighted blanket, he said there was this heavy blanket at the hospital that he really enjoyed and wanted to get one. And, uh, this lady just totally blessed him for, for Christmas. And, uh, yeah, you know, that's this time of year, that's this week. And I, and I hope that you do something to spread some joy, spread some love, spread, uh, just, just spread some hope to people this year. This year has absolutely sucked for a lot of us. And for a lot of us, it has been a good year. For all things considered, we've been very blessed. And uh, I, I, I don't want that to be something we, we hold on to so clench-fisted that we don't spread it at all. So if there's anything you can do this week, whether it's through through adventure or through giving or um, through anything, please try to get out there and make a difference. Um, if it's bringing someone with you on an adventure, please do that. Uh, if it's donating some money somewhere, please do that. Uh, it's a season of giving and I, you know, it's something I need to hear all the time. I can be pretty stingy, uh, not going to lie. So it's something that I've set kind of in my sights a little more this year is to be more, um, grateful and, and to, to be more, uh, generous with what I've got. So I don't know, just felt like sharing that, but anyway, here is uh, here's Nathan Nathan and Vivian's story. Enjoy. Uh, but if you don't mind, start with telling us where are you right now. We are in Solomon's, Maryland. Uh, it's about an hour and a half south of Washington D.C. at a little marina. Um, where we like to do a lot of our boat work and yard work. They have a all out uh, travel lift and pretty much everything we need to work on the boat here. 
Yeah, it's called Spring Cove Marina, and it's probably the best marina I've ever been to just because a lot of marinas don't have a lot of park area. They don't have a lot of real estate, but this marina in particular, they have huge uh, area to sit with picnic benches, and they have a huge yard that they let you do most of your own work on if you don't want to contract somebody. So it really helps us out. You get best of both worlds. So, so you live on a boat and have a yard you got to maintain. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, in the yard, we work on our boat. Very cool. Well, let me ask you this. You know, I've always wanted to know when you, when you, when you, when you're on a boat and you want to go to a marina, how does it work? Do you just pull up like you would at a hotel and say, "Hey, do you have any, have any slots available? Any space available?" Or do you have to call ahead? What does that look like? Typically, with marinas, you would need to reserve. But sometimes if you are just traveling, you call ahead on VHF radio and you say, hey, I'm, you know, about a mile or two out. Do you have any available slips? Of course, you could always call ahead on the phone and reserve a slip. Sometimes marinas don't answer their phones, though. So, yeah, you do just have to kind of sail up and hope they have something available. And Yeah, it's funny. It really depends on how big of a city you are in. Let's say you're going into New York City. Typically, they're usually packed full. If you're going in a little river, you know, inside of the Chesapeake Bay, then most likely they'll have a spot. That's really interesting. So, so, so take us back. I know you guys have probably told the story a billion times and you're probably sick of it by now, but I'd love to hear. I know you're not from... You're not like raised on the water necessarily. And you weren't from there. You're from New Mexico or you were living there before. Could you tell us kind of, you know, wh- where you're both are from? What you, what did you grow up doing and what led you to this? Because that's, you know, you just don't end up on a boat. <laughs> yeah, that's 100% true. Um, we both grew up kind of in the Western United States. Uh, I grew up in New Mexico, Vivian, kind of all over the place. Yeah. When I was in high school, I started doing a bunch of whitewater rafting, and that kind of got me interested in water and boating, and I always thought it would be cool to go sailing out on the ocean, but I had no idea where to even start with that. And it wasn't until many years later, after I had gone to university, and some friends of mine, uh, friends of both of ours, asked us if we wanted to move to Florida and learn how to sail and buy a boat. And it was funny, we were just roommates at the time, and our friends said, they asked us both, but when we went home that night, Nathan was like, oh, so we're moving across the country together. And I was like, I guess we are. And two weeks later, we got married in Vegas. (laughs) Hey, I don't mean to try draw this into us, but my wife and I did the same thing. She came and saw me while I was biking across the country, and came to Vegas and we we're like, Hey, let's just get married. <laughs> we got, we got married at the courthouse. I don't know if y'all did as well, but yeah, um, we did. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> You're in good company here. Very, very like-minded folks. Um, so you got married <laughs> on your way to Florida. We got married and then we, it took us about four months to pack everything in the house and have a garage sale and kind of tie up loose ends. And then we filled up our beat up, $500 car with all of our belongings and drove across the country. And then it took us about another four months to find a boat. Yeah. Um, all four of us bought a 37 boat, 37 foot boat that we all lived on 
for about two years. And then we we're like, all right, we got to go our separate ways. But it was all in good terms. And yeah. What, what, what would you say the most, I don't know, intimidating part of that whole journey was? Was it, was it living with other people or was it, you know, living on a boat in general? No, I mean, we had, all four of us had lived together at different times. And that part wasn't too daunting at all. Um, we all got along and we all knew how to deal with each other. But really, it was just for me, especially was just learning how to sail and trying to figure out where we were going to learn that and whether to take classes that sometimes were super expensive or what to do. But we kind of just figured it out ourselves. And Right. So we learned about sailing. And then once we bought the sailboat, we started meeting all these really cool people in the sailboat community that were just living aboard their boat. They were traveling, you know, and we wanted to do the same thing. But at the same time, we had land jobs and all four of us had full time jobs ashore. And we're like, how do we go cruising and how do we afford this lifestyle while still, you know, being able to make money? So, you know, after two years of that, that's when Nathan and I decided that we wanted to go and make a career out of sailing. And we moved to Fort Lauderdale and started working on uh, bigger boats as crew. And that's kind of how we got into what we're doing now. How, how, since you, you know, the classes were expensive, what 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 did you start doing to learn how to, to sail? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I started really just by reading books, um, some of the most simple, just how sailing works books, how to sail. And I just kept reading and reading. And then we also found the U.S. Power Squadrons. Uh, well, and where we were in Melbourne, it's the Sail and Power Squadron. And they te- they have classes um, from everything from just basic seamanship up to celestial navigation and coastal navigation. And we those classes were actually really affordable. And we took pretty much all the classes that they offer. At the same time, we were just um, trying to get out on the water as much as we could. A neighbor of ours who we met through the Power Squadron had a little 14 and a half foot day sailor that he would let us take out whenever we wanted. And so we kind of started sailing on that. And then we bought our 37 foot boat. And, you know, we just we had some guidance from um, our friend and roommates, Megan's dad, who was a sailor. And but then we just started taking the boat out and kind of figuring it out ourselves. As you learned how to sail, was did anything surprise you about maybe what you had in mind of what it would be like and then then actually doing it? What surprised me most was how easy it was to transition from living in an apartment or a home and then moving everything into this boat that, you know, water being on the salt water, especially it's not the best environment for, you know, things get Most corroded. Things. Yeah. Things get corroded. You get, <laughs> right. that are moldy. and then, you know, over time you transition and you say, I don't really need this anyway. I'm just gonna, if things rot and mold, then they don't belong in the boat. And then you realize that you don't need a lot of material things anyway. I mean, we have what we need on the boat and a little extra, but we keep, um, we have this thing 
what that we're trying to do and it's if we buy a new piece of clothing we have to get rid of an older piece of clothing like if i get a new hat get rid of an old hat so that really makes us mindful on you know what we buy but it hasn't really stopped yeah there's (laughs) as far as other things that were kind of surprising uh to learn as we kind of ventured into sailing it really actually turned out to be not as complex as I thought you know not knowing anything about sailboats you look at them and you think oh there's all these ropes and lines everywhere and they all do something different and I and it's how do I figure out which ones do what but as I read a lot about it and then just started doing it it all became pretty intuitive and it really wasn't as complex as as it seemed at first and it wasn't as daunting as it seemed very interesting. Very, you know, I, a lot of this is selfish, uh, <laughs> selfish questions because I, I, I'm curious about this. I, I, I don't know yes, much about awesome. it. Was there any, you know, this is the Adventure Sports Podcast, so we talk about people using really adventure sports to experience the world, experience nature, and to, to, to be in touch with, you know, just kind of our greater purpose and, and using that medium of sport, of travel uh, as a way to a- achieve that. Did did you find it more physical than than you expected, or is there a lot to always do, or or is that also less complicated than you thought it would be? Um, it's funny. I just ran into one of our uh, marina neighbors, and he's fairly new into sailing. And he goes, "Does this get any easier?" And I said, <laughs> "No, but you start getting better at it, and it gets more fun when when that starts to happen." So I mean, you know, everything there's a challenge. But it's really, if you're someone who wants to learn and kind of challenge yourself and push yourself to live uncomfortably for a little bit to kind of, you get, you get the benefit and you get the reward because what we really love to do is being out there in the middle of the ocean, which is where the adventure starts. Uh, When, you know, we're dodging squalls or we're we're in the middle of a rainstorm or a lightning storm and you have to kind of fend for yourself at that point. And yeah, I mean, it does get somewhat physically demanding at times, um, you know, possibly. All the time. I mean, know. just bringing in your groceries is a sport in <laughs> itself. Yeah. <laughs> right. A, a balancing act, I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, handling the boat in in difficult conditions and I mean, even just making a simple sail change in normal conditions is pretty physically demanding. And, you know, I mean, sailing definitely is a sport, even if you're not racing. I mean, it's something that you're always kind of competing, at least against yourself, to try and sail as easy and as best as you can. And there is always something to do. I mean, you're, whether, even if you're, You've just set the sails and you're on a good tack and you're the boat sailing along with the autopilot. Um, there's definitely stuff to do. I mean, there's always boat maintenance to do. There's, you know, even even cooking underway can be a challenge at times, depending on the state of, state of the sea. I mean, we stay busy pretty much all the time. What what does your life look like? Are you constantly moving around? Because from from what I understand, you started out delivering boats um as a way to make money and also as kind of kill two birds with one stone uh, are you still doing that or, or what is what is kind of daily life looking like 
So after we sold the, the first boat, we sat down to Fort Lauderdale and we were in and out of boats for five years. And we're using the, the $500 car as our storage. And, you know, there were times where Nathan and I were working separately for months at a time. And we started to get sick of it. And so we started a uh, business, basically someone, we got really lucky where this guy is on the end part of his career and wanted to help people and mentor them into doing what he does so that he can kind of hand over some business so that he's not so busy. And what he does is take people out sailing on sail training passages. Um, He got his start delivering boats, just kind of like we did. So he said, you know, why don't you guys find a boat that you can have about four to six people sleep comfortably in and let's start doing training business uh, together. And we said, okay. And that was last spring. We bought our boat. We, it took us, you know, five years to find this boat because over the course of five years, our uh, search for boat kind of teeter-tottered to small boats versus big boats. But then when we finally had a goal in mind, then we were like, okay, we need a boat with at least, you know, these kind of parameters. And when we found her, that's when um, we were in Maryland and we spent nine months in the boat yard. Uh, That means that you're out of the water, your boat is on the stand and you're climbing a ladder up and down and you're replacing all the things necessary that could, you know, kind of upgrading gear and installing new parts. And we did that for nine months. And then we we're like, okay, yeah, let's start our business. We got a, a few people uh, booked on our passages. And then the pandemic hit. <laughs> and we were in Florida and we were about to go to the Bahamas. And, you know, that's the best thing to do, right? Start a business through the, during a pandemic. And <laughs> so we were supposed to go to the Bahamas and two days before they shut the, they shut down their borders. And uh, we lived on anchor in Palm Beach, just south of uh, Peanut Island for mm-hmm. all of quarantine. I mean, we, we spent two months there. Yeah. And then... But then the delivery business also kind of picked up. So while we couldn't really take our boat anywhere, people were still looking to have boats delivered. We brought a boat back from uh, St. Thomas to North Carolina. And then... Um, we were in talks with people to deliver boats all summer. Some of it fell through due to us not being able to travel internationally. But then this fall, we have delivered two boats and we have two more to deliver in December. So, so we yeah. kind of split our time between delivering boats and running training passages on our boat. Um, whenever we are on our boat, we're, you know we're constantly working on it. We're upgrading things all the time. And things break when we're sailing as well. I mean, you know. It happens. Yeah, it happens. We were sailing back in June. We were sailing from Florida up to Maryland. And we had a uh, sheet block break. And it ripped our sail. And we couldn't sail anymore. And we ended up motoring into Beaufort, North Carolina. And (laughs) um, getting some stuff fixed there before continuing on up to Maryland. So, you know, things are always happening. and, And... 
but it's fun. I it mean, is fun. I mean, but every day is different. And right. If you're the kind of person who doesn't want routine, then boating is definitely for you. <laughs> <laughs> so you've, you've got your boat now and you, you can do tours and, and take people traveling, obviously not right now. So, so the, or not as much over the summer, maybe it's starting to pick up more, but what did you, when, when it came to deliveries, what does that look like? Do you, do you have to, obviously a lot of times fly somewhere uh, how much time does it take to get used to the boat to to how much you know care are you taking of it and then getting it to where it needs to go like i don't know it feels like an an adventure of course but also you you've got someone's very uh expensive asset on your hands you know <laughs> Sometimes they're also, you know, not the best quality boats, too. So you can also uh, ask, ask the owners for a survey, which is basically the report, like a what you get during a home inspection. It's called a boat survey. And then you can kind of run and see, you know, what needs to be worked on, if it has been fixed, and what kind of equipment is on the boat. And then... And then, yeah, anytime that we show up to do a delivery, I spend... a bare minimum of probably about two days going through the boat and you know it's a very similar process to me as looking at boats when we were looking to buy one I just get on board the boat I generally look around on deck at first um, check all the lines and ropes and the rigging all the stuff that's holding the mast up and maybe take a look at the sails make sure we're actually going to be able to move the boat and then um, I go below and I start opening up everything. And I open up all the cabinets, all the lockers. I check all the bilges. I find where all the um, through holes are, all the systems, how stuff is ran, um, wiring, everything. And I just try and as quickly as I can familiar my, familiarize myself with the boat and then generally have a pretty good idea if we need to do any work on it before we take off or if the boat's good to go. And I would say that overall, we've been very, very fortunate and we have had the opportunity to deliver some very, very nice boats. But when we started, there were times where we yeah, delivered boats been, that were like few, constantly leaking. And... There have been a few that were pretty rough, but yeah. <laughs> um, for the most part, we've we've delivered pretty nice boats. It's like house sitting and car sitting at the same time. You know, you've got a, you've got a home or or this this large thing, this vessel, but you also kind of have to maneuver it somewhere. So that's a uh, like like house sitting, but you got to drive it around. That's pretty funny, right? <laughs> so. And then also, what's uh, what's what's um, becoming interesting is that the owners that buy these boats, you know, during the pandemic, there are a lot of people who have bought boats because it's a great way to kind of still be active and be outside but you are away from crowds and mm. you can bring your family aboard and you can still do something fun and so there are a lot of people who have been hiring us who just bought a boat but then they also want training as well so not only are we moving and you know fixing the boats, but we're also kind of teaching people how to sail their boats as well, which is, you know, it, at first it's a little 
I would say I'm a little hesitant to be like, well, you do this, this and this because it is their boat. But then you just realize, you know, you're you're helping someone kind of live their dream. And it's really satisfying to see the look at, you know, sometimes some some of our clients will send us pictures of them sailing and you're like, yes, like, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really rewarding. And most people really are more capable than maybe they even give themselves credit for. Right. But. Um, and teaching people doing these training passages, it's really just kind of empowering them and, and being there and showing them what they can do. I love letting people just do as much as they're comfortable with and kind of urging them to get comfortable with more and and just trying to let them do as much as they can. And I feel like a lot of people who end up buying boats, they are already really well versed. They've read all the sailing books. They've taken all the classes. They know what to do. The only thing that they're cautious of is actually how to live on a boat, you know, how to run a boat and how to how to put your provisions away or how to even grocery shop for, you know, two weeks to the Caribbean from yeah. the States. A lot of our clients are very proficient sailors, but they've either yet never lived on a boat or they've never done a long ocean passage where they've crossed, you know, thousand miles of ocean. They've never maybe done overnight passages. Um, And I think that's the kind of thing that we bring in is our little unique twists on the business is that we, we help people realize that they can sail offshore overnight on these really long distant passages and, you know, after day three or four, you're in the rhythm. And then, you know, by seven, by day seven and nine, you're like, I don't want to, it's kind of, it's, it's exciting to see land. But then when you get close to the land, you're like, oh, I want to keep sailing. (laughs) Just turn around and go back. Right. (laughs) Sail to nowhere. That's too funny. That that has to be rewarding to, to take what you've learned and, um, Someone once told me, actually, my friend Paul, my best friend, he, he's, he told me one time, he goes, someone out there is willing to pay you for what you know. And I always think about that. And it's like, what do I know that other people need to know or want to know and would be willing to, to, to build something on that, that I could pay some bills with? Not, you know, make millions of dollars, but just make a living. And so it, it sounds like that's exactly what y'all have done. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when, like I said, when we first started, we were wondering, you know, how do we sail? But how do, how do we get rid of our land jobs? Because we are, we were super unhappy with our land jobs. And it, there didn't seem to be like any future with it. So we just feel very fortunate that we get paid to do this. I mean, it's the dream come true, I think. Yeah, I mean, we've worked really hard to get where we are, but um, it is absolutely a dream come true. I mean, we get to do what we love for a living, and part of that is definitely sharing our knowledge with people. So can I ask this? I I always want to know for folks who have taken a passion and turned it into a, a career or at least a partial career, um, how has it changed your relationship with with the passion itself? Because sometimes it's good, sometimes it's it's more challenging. You don't love it as much. How has that experience uh, been for y'all? Uh, that's a good question, and it has changed kind of how I feel about sailing. Um, it was a big 
jump going from, you know, crewing on deliveries to being the captain on these deliveries and just taking on all that added responsibility and not having anyone else to rely on. And really, I mean, deep ocean sailing, it's what it's really all about is self-sufficiency and uh, being resourceful and relying on yourself and your crew. And that was something to get used to as I transitioned from crew to captain. But I wouldn't say that my passion for being out on the ocean has diminished at all. I still, that's what I want to do and I want to share it with as many people as I can. And for me, I guess my passion before sailing was film and photography. And I was doing that for a few years and then kept doing it while I was sailing. And then once we started leaving our our hometown or our our port town in Florida, I couldn't keep up with the clients who wanted my photography services because I was I was on a different schedule than I used to be. You know, I was unavailable. And so for a while, it kind of felt like I was losing a part of myself. But then I started doing photography uh, through a sailing medium. And now that is actually really fulfilling and has really changed the way I looked at both sailing and photography. Um, so creatively, it really makes me happy. Um, now I'm like teaching workshops on how to fly drones underway and um, helping other sailors get the best shots. And I'm just this year getting published in sa some sailing magazines. So it's actually the two have helped kind of morph into this own little different thing that that is my own which is really cool um nathan used to think that he was dragging me along with this whole sailing thing and now i'm like no i i got this <laughs> <laughs> so you know that, that that's really cool I, I you know i was gonna say film and photography gosh you've got like a gold mine now of of, of beautiful boats and, and just, just spectacular places you really get to really get to work on that craft uh, and also document it because a lot of people are really interested interested in this lifestyle. I know there's a lot of very successful YouTubers um, about the sailing life and the sailing world. We've had a lot of them on this show, and their episodes always just get so much interaction because I, I think it's something that people see um, this sailing world, kind of like the van life world. It's something so different, so kind of contained and so uh i don't know appealing in a lot of ways but it's also a huge jump for most people so um you, you get to document that and share it with the world that's that's valuable for what you're doing especially since you have a business attached to it you know it it makes us have a, uh, more goals in mind for the future you know we keep thinking of different plots and ideas on making our own sailing documentary and what kind of things we'd like to show the world. And it's it's nice to have those types of goals within your goal, you know? Yeah, it's nice to have things to do other than just sailing. And, you know, sometimes sometimes you do want to just get away from the boat and, and not think about it and focus on something else for a little bit. Can each of you, do you, do you have an experience or a day or something that you can, you know, that quickly comes to mind that you share with people, uh, you know, when they ask, hey, are you glad with the choice you made? Like maybe a day that made you think, you know, this is this is why we chose this. This is this was the right decision. 
I don't know. I would say that there's a there's actually been a lot of those days, but um, some of the ones that stand out are, you know, we were delivering a boat in the Pacific once, and we looked out. We were kind of hugging the coast of Mexico, heading north to California, and we looked out to the west, and coming out of the Pacific Ocean were just hundreds and hundreds of dolphins, pretty much from horizon to horizon as far as I like jumping out of the water flipping you know running into the boat for fun (laughs) yeah it was and when you see stuff like that I mean it makes you know any of the challenges worth it (laughs) so yeah it's a it's there are days like that that are that are super fun what about for you Vivian for me oh man there's been so many times i i guess uh for the most recent one um seeing so nathan wanted to become a writer and i wanted to be you know a published photographer and this last month we had a magazine where nathan did the article and i published the pictures and our friends are just passing it around and you know we're next to these authors who we have been reading over the last few years and we're like, wow, people are reading this, you know, I could hold it in my hand. And it just made me really happy to be able to actually have something out there in the world. I mean, that's why I do the photography is to kind of share my journey with people and, and to show them, you know, there's so much world out there. There's, I mean, I grew up traveling by car and plane, but never did I step foot on a sailboat until I was in my 20s so this whole world's completely new to me and it's you know it's nice to be a part of and it's even more wonderful to share it with with people who don't know much about it because I was there once as well and then you know now I own a boat (laughs) and you know, maybe one day you're going to own a boat, Mason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, oof, I've got a kayak. That's it's a long <laughs> way to go to a sailboat, but there's got to start somewhere. I'm not going to lie. I, you know, we, we moved from, from the mountains of Colorado and every other person in this area has a boat. I mean, our neighbor has two boats, L- literally 10 feet from our house. There's a big old boat, not a sailboat, but there's a ton of them around here. And every time I see it, it's like, you know, dang, I need, I need to learn how that works. Cause there's obviously something that there's obviously like a bug that bites you with that because it feels like people who are into it are really into it. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those kind of hobbies and lifestyles. So I don't know, maybe I'm scared of it. I don't know. <laughs> Where has been maybe a place you, you really enjoyed one of your favorite locations and maybe a location you, you're excited to sail to one day. Or that you're looking forward to? So for me, it's uh, the island of Madeira, which is a Portuguese island off the coast of the western coast of Africa. And we were sa- we sailed there from France on our way to Florida. So we were doing a transatlantic. We stopped there for a few nights to kind of refuel and re- reprovision. And before that trip, I had never heard of Madeira. And I knew of Madeira, you know, it's similar to port wine, but yeah, that's, that's the same place. And it was just a really cool little island in the middle of nowhere. And I love the food, the people, the sights. 
the things to do. And so, you know, maybe next year, once this whole uh, pandemic kind of subsides and we can start traveling internationally again, we were thinking of doing a transatlantic from Florida or Maryland up to back to the Azores and doing a transatlantic loop. So we would go from the Azores and then to Madeira and then the the Canaries, which are Spanish-owned islands, and then back towards the U.S. And so that's in the future for us. That's It's exciting to think about those kinds of plans. Yeah, I think my favorite sailing destination I've been to was probably the Azores. Um, something intrigues me about these little islands or little island groups that are just out in the middle of nowhere. I guess it's they just tend to have this big sailing culture because that's how people got there and it's always been part of their lives. So it's interesting. And the Azores are just an incredible place and people are so friendly and the food is so great. Uh, some of the best seafood I've ever had. And cheap, cold beer. Yeah. <laughs> hey, can't beat that. <laughs> Who would think cheap way out there in the middle of the ocean, you know? Yeah. yeah and if you're sailing for two weeks, straight, nonstop. I mean, you're on 24 hours, you know, the boat is moving. So after two weeks of that, you're like, all right, I'm going to walk off the boat and get a cold beer. (laughs) (laughs) My gosh. You know, I'm also curious about this and I know this is a little different. You know, you, it seems like you jump in that boat and the world is really wherever there's water you can get to, not probably technically every single spot, but it, probably feels that way like we can just go yeah. uh, what, what has been the most realistic danger you've faced I, I know that we hear crazy stories of pirates or of storms or uh, whatever what, what are some dangers that you face and that you're kind of mindful of while you're out there one thing I'm super mindful of and a big threat is lightning um, lightning can if it strikes your boat can pretty much disable all your electronics in you know the blink of an eye and then it's hard to navigate it's hard to do anything you don't have cold food so lightning's a big one and we did at one point uh we were delivering a boat we had just left acapulco mexico and we were heading down to panama and we ran into the biggest lightning storm i've ever seen and lightning was just striking the water all around us and Every flash would light up everything. There wasn't a whole lot to see other than waves. But we didn't get struck kind of miraculously. But uh, it's a big threat and it's something that concerns me. But, you know, you try and avoid it as best you can. Uh, You can't always do that. But so far, we've been lucky. We've also had our fair share of of close calls with hurricanes. Um, I helped out a friend of ours kind of ride out Hurricane Matthew back in 2016 on his uh, 40-foot sailboat. We were in the intracoastal waterway in Florida, um, but he had just bought the boat and didn't have insurance on it. And um, because there was a named storm in the system, he couldn't get insurance yet. And we spent the night in the river. Uh, We actually, at one point, all uh, two of our anchor roads parted and the boat was adrift and we had to fire up the engine and just kind of 
try and hold the boat in place in 90 mile an hour winds while we were until we could get enough light to see and navigate to somewhere where we'd be safe. Um, so yeah, I mean, hurricanes and storms are, are out there. Um, and we have, you know, these days we have better weather forecasting and, um, weather routers. So with good planning, you can generally avoid that stuff, but, um, sometimes you just kind of have to, uh, look it in the eye and, and take what you get. But, you know, I mean, other things, you know, that some people would think are kind of a big concern, stuff like pirates or um, not, not, not that big a deal. I mean, you're more likely to have someone break into your house or get mugged walking down the street yeah. than you are to run into a pirate in the ocean. That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, if you're the type of person who leaves all their things out on deck and they you don't lock up then it's kind of inviting people to take your things um other than that we haven't ever had any encounters luckily um with any thieves or pirates uh for me uh big dangers for me on a boat i guess would be gear failure i mean they're there have been times where we're on a boat and winds pick up and then, you know, we have to, we have to change sails really quickly and then something breaks or something comes loose. And then because of that, another thing breaks or comes loose because it's all kind of connected. So that can get really dangerous in heavy weather and you just have to kind of know what to do is, you know, sail upwind and kind of slow the boat down or heave to which is a maneuver that we do when uh, we need to stop the boat quickly um you know and this all comes with proper training and being and kind of knowing experience experience and also a lot of communication you know a lot of the times uh this year especially nathan and i double hand uh, passages, which means just the two of us sail a boat nonstop for days at a time. And so it really all comes down to communication. If I see something wrong on deck and I'm not necessarily comfortable on going off deck by myself, you know, we never go on deck at night unless another person's in the cockpit. But, you know, if it's in the daytime and Nathan's down below taking a nap, you know, I'll, we have to, we have to tell each other if, I mean, I guess how severe, whatever it is, but I'll wake Nathan up if something happens or he'll wake me up if he needs an extra pair of eyes. And we both have to kind of be like, okay, we're running this boat. There's no other goal than to make landfall yeah, safe and sound. Make landfall safe and sound. What, what do you miss the most when you're out there about, I don't know what you call it, land life? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Electricity to Yeah, I mean generally when we come food. back into port. Yeah. yeah, I mean I often am craving, you know, a big burger or steak, but we eat pretty well on passages as well. I mean we have I mean we're not crazy, uh, we're not alcoholics or anything, but we also don't drink underway. So, you know, by the end of a passage we're like, All right, it's time for a beer. <laughs> yeah, beer, a glass of wine. Sounds pretty good after being out there for a hot, a long, hot shower is really nice because we conserve water on the boat. And even though we have 
uh, a water heater, you know, I actually have gotten it down to where I can shower with exactly three liters of water. That's, you know, rinse, shower, and like everything. I, I'm good with three liters of warm water. But when we're on land, oh, yeah, I'll take a nice 10, 15 minute long shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I can imagine. That's so, that sounds so fun. Sounds so exciting. So unique of a lifestyle. And gosh, this is fantastic. Is is there anything else you'd want to share with listeners? You know, you feel free to plug your website. I, I'm going to share everything in the intro as well, but uh, this is just so fascinating. And there's a million more things I could ask, but I, I want to make sure we share what you want to. Um, yeah, if you have any questions or want to see what we've been up to, we have our writing links uh, and our sailing schedule posted on our website, which is sailoceanpassages.com. And our Instagram and Facebook are at Ocean Passages with an S. And if you want to see my photography, it's at Visa Media. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah. This was great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, Thanks, thank Nathan, you. for having us. Yeah, y'all have a great night. We'll talk soon. Okay, right, right. cheers. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.